Hello, uh, welcome back to the SCP podcast, the Secure Contained podcast. I feel like I fuck up the name every time, but it's That's who we is. It's it is indeed real name. Um, we're back again today to do another episode. We always do. Always. I don't know what you expect from us at this point. Always. Um, we're gonna we're con- today we're continuing with uh with the Cool War. Uh, we left off. Last time uh, on on uh, number seven, which was shady meeting, uh, that was. I, I think which one was that? Was that the people snipper were having having a, a conversation about stuff about the clipper? I think. Oh yeah, and then the snipper became the thing. Yeah, little brother um, of the old clipper. Yes, the the weird. It's there's some weird family ties. Um, so today we're starting with number eight, which is the Toy Man and the Doctor. Um, I can go ahead and start with this one, um, and then we'll just alternate. Feel free. I'm not sure how many we're going to get done today, but we'll do it. Yep, I think this is probably going to end uh, This is definitely going to be like, um, like we could probably aim to get to 15 or 16 or something. Yeah. If I, they're around the same length. Hopefully. That's what I figure we'll probably end up getting to, but uh, I have no way of knowing because I don't know how long are gonna take yep uh yeah so uh like i said this first one's called the toy man and the doctor um the document identification number is d-o-c-w-o-n uh 525-276 acquisition method mailed to site 17 additional documentation was mailed in unmarked manila envelope sealed inside there were seven marked a5 size envelopes envelopes numbered sub documents one two seven as uh or negative one to negative seven as follows uh sub document dash one um, this one is addressed to Mr. Dr. Wondertainment, unsealed. Inside, a crumpled A3 size white paper, text on front of black pen, text on reverse in red crayon. Uh, the front says, The Toy Man and the Doctor, a little bit of fiction by you-know-who. I'm just bored. Dr. Wondertainment was not a real doctor. Kids don't care about my toys anymore. It's all virtual these days. Who cares about having a real friend anymore? Jesse, cancel the next line of mail. They never sold anyways. 400 meters down, 12 half-developed embryonic monstrosities were euthanized. Standing inside all day, sharing cat pictures on the internet, looking up who knows what, looking up who knows what through who knows where. They won't pay attention to the real world. Jesse walked to the door, coffee in one hand and PDA in the other. Sir, that's not quite... You put that fucking thing down. The toy man leapt to his feet, tore the PDA from her hands, and threw it out the window. Sir, that was... The toy man pulled the burning hot coffee from her griff and threw it in her eyes. Ah! The toy man threw Jesse out the window. <laughs> what was that? Jesse, you stupid, stupid girl. The doctor uh. pressed the button under his desk. Jesse walked through the door, coffee in one hand. Sir, that's not quite right. Market studies are showing that. Hang on, I, I think I left something in. No, no, no. The doctor pressed a bu- button under his desk. I don't know if that's the tone that that no, no, no is aiming for. <laughs> I like how, this... how 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 would you say it? No, no, no. Because I think it's the doctor saying it. He's like, no, that's not right. Oh, Go yeah. again. All right, Jesse walked through the door, coffee in one hand. Sir, I completely agree. I know, Jesse, I know. But how do we convince him to pay attention to the real world? These kids are spending every day indoors. Their eyes are going to turn square from staring at all their video games and movies and cartoons and comic books and video games and comic books. How do we get this fresh generation out of the house? Jesse moved over to the doctor, crossing her legs as she sat on his desk. Simple, sir. We destroy their houses. We tear the roofs from above their heads. We kill their parents and make them orphans. We force them into the streets, where they will finally be able to play be able to play with your toys and be happy. 
and they don't want to be happy, we kill them. The toy man grinned from ear to ear. You're fucking brilliant, Jesse. But how do we... The doctor pressed a button under his desk. Uh, Jesse walked through the door, coffee in one hand. Sir, I completely agree. I know, Jesse. I know. We need to make the outside more fresh and exciting, don't we? It is unknown whether Dr. One Entertainment is an individual, and then crossed out it says or an organization. Jesse, don't come in. Sir? When was the last time I had my pills? I'm not sure, sir. You've killed me too often. Get them for me, please. Sir, I'm not sure that I said get me my fucking pills, bitch. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jesse walked through the door, coffee in one hand, and Dr. Wondertainment stopped the voice's pills in the other. She had tears streaming down her face. Bruises covered her arms and legs. Blood poured from the open head wound and the gashes in her torso from the broken glass. The doctor tore the coffee from her hands and the toy man threw it in Jesse's eyes and the coffee mixed with her tears. More coffee. More coffee. Jesse left the room and returned with more coffee. He placed the doctor's pillbox on his desk. The pillbox smiled at the doctor and squeaked in violet whispers. Complimentary. Please take one. The toy man screamed. You misspelled complimentary. Dr. Wondertainment downed his pills with Jesse's tears. The toy man went back to sleep. The doctor died a little inside. With love, from your prodigal son. Love you, daddy. On the reverse, it says, Dear Mr. Dr. Wondertainment, Thank you for making so many fantastic toys. We love playing with them. Please do not stop making them. When we grow up, we want to be just like you and make everyone have lots of fun. Love, Ruiz, Pico, and Mr. Red. Subdocument dash two. Uh, this is addressed to Messrs. Ruiz, Pico, and Red, unsealed. Uh, front text was printed in uh, inkjet printer reverse. So on the front, it says uh, there's a, an address at the top. It says Wondertainment Enterprises, P.O. Box 3.141592, which is pi, and the rest Wondertainment Land is severed. To Ruiz and Pico, we're glad you, you like playing with Dr. Wondertainment PM brand toys. Unfortunately, the doctor himself is busy working on his next quote-unquote big thing and can't respond to you directly. We'll pass on your message when he takes a break. Enclosed are free samples of Dr. Wondertainment's latest line of consumable products, Dr. Wondertainment's sapient gummy bears. Thank you for your letter from the office of Dr. Wondertainment. To Mr. Red, we're glad you like being a Dr. Wondertainment brand toy. Unfortunately, you do not have the rights to use the likeness of Dr. Wondertainment and your fictional works. If you do not cease production of these works, further actions will be taken. Thank you for your letter from the legal department of Dr. Wondertainment. Subdocument 3, uh, marked A5 size envelope, addressed to Mr. Dr. Wondertainment, not peons, unsealed. Inside a crumple A3 white paper, text on front and black pen, text in reverse and red crayon. In the front, Mr. Red's big day at the legal department. And then, Mr. Red killed them all. I am not a toy. Let me meet my maker, or you'll meet yours. Don't make this nonfiction. Pass it on to the man himself. On the reverse, Dear slaves of Mr. Dr. Wondertainment, Thank you for your reply. The gummy bears were very tasty. We will buy more when they come out. Please pass this letter on to Mr. Dr. Wondertainment. We do not want to speak to you. Love Ruiz, Pico, and Mr. Red. Subdocument 4, addressed to Messrs. Ruiz, Pico, and Red, unsealed. Front text, once again, an inkjet printer. Uh, there's the fucking address at the top. It says, to Ruiz and Pico, we're glad you liked eating Dr. Wondertainment's sapient gummy bears. Unfortunately, the doctor himself is busy working on his quote-unquote next big thing and can't respond to you directly. We'll pass on your message when he takes a break. Enclosed are free samples of Dr. Wondertainment's latest line of consumable products, Dr. Wondertainment's sapient gummy bears. Thank you for your letter. From the office of Dr. Wondertainment. To Mr. Red, we're glad you like being a Dr. Wondertainment brand toy. You have heavily misrepresented the public face of Dr. Wondertainment in an unauthorized fashion. 
then threaten the legal department of Dr. One Entertainment. This unauthorized activity with respect to the public face of Dr. One Entertainment, DM, constitutes infringement of One Entertainment Enterprises' intellectual property rights and violates various defamation and vilification laws. One Entertainment Enterprises enforces its intellectual property rights very aggressively by using every legal option available. One Entertainment Enterprises demands that you immediately and permanently disable access to any and all copies of said section. Do not reply to this letter. Thank you for your cooperation. From the legal department of Dr. One Entertainment. Subdocument 5, uh, <laughs> addressed to give this to daddy. Um, <laughs> text on front in blood. Text on reverse in red crayon. The front says, let me speak to my maker. In parentheses, let me speak to my maker. Let me speak to my maker. Am I past my fucking expiry date? No returns. Double plus no backsies. Well, just let me have a few moments of time with a good quote-unquote Dr. One Entertainment TN, and then I'll be out of your hair. I'm really serious here. If you don't, I'll kill these kids. This was written in their blood. Reverse. I love the tone you're reading these with. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's just funny to have it, like, super- Let me like, speak to my maker. If you, don't, if you don't, I'll kill these kids. This was, you know, written in their blood. On the reverse. And what's Here's the ladies. deal with airline food? <laughs> Dear slaves and Mr. Doctor Entertainment, thank you for your reply. Please do not send more gummy bears. Some of them made our feel. Please pass this letter on to Mr. Doctor Entertainment. We do not want to speak to you. Love Louise, Pico, and Mr. Red. Subdocument six, marked A 5s en- size envelope, addressed to Doctor Entertainment. Urgent. Please read. Unsealed. On the inside, crumple A four size white paper, heavily worn. Text on front in black crayon, reverse blank. Front. Dear Doctor Entertainment, my name is Ruiz. I do not know my last name. Mr. Red will not me- let me remember. I have a brother. His name is Pico. I am worried about Pico. I am worried about myself. Mr. Red took our parents away. He says he is our family now. I pretend to not understand. I pretend that I am stupid, but I am not. I know our parents will come back. He tries to make us drink things that make us strain. I throw it up and try to make Pico throw it up, but he does not. Sometimes Mr. Red cuts us and collects the blood. I do not know what he does with the blood. Sometimes Mr. Red calls you God. Every night I pray to you that Mr. Red will be recalled. I do not think that you can hear prayers. Subdocument 7, addressed to Dear Mr. Dr. One Entertainment, unsealed. The page is heavily worn, text on front in red crayon, reverse blank. On the front, it says, Dear Mr. Dr. One Entertainment, thank you for making Mr. Red. Love, Pico. That was fucking a lot. Mm. I forget what the deal is with Mr. Red. Let me look that up real quick. I, I know that I've read all the little misters. I just yeah, don't I've, remember I've, which one I that one do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this one's a... Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. SCP, I don't think I've actually read this one because it's not as an SCP entry. It's always as Tails. I know that there's okay. one tail called SCP-Red. So he's just, like, chilling. I think it's like I think it can like manipulate memory or something. Probably, I mean they they said that he does not remember his last name. He, Mr. Red will not let so. Yeah, and also unlike the other little misters, he definitely does not like it, like being one. Oh yeah, that's what I know. And also, I think he tried to kill an O five. I don't remember. Ah, uh, we could do the oh, little geez. misters themselves sometime. They're cool. And then we could do the Collector Saga. Because there's like two volumes and there's Collector. I think there's a third one maybe. I don't know. Anyway, the next one's called Quintessence of Dusk. Oh god, the first The Shakespearean words of the dialogue here. That's This will be fun. (laughs) Alright. 
What a piece of work is man. Ruiz stood draped in purple robes. The spotlight shone down, the theater otherwise coated in black. He was racked with Hamlet's madness, profound pain etched in his face as though he had been visited by the devil himself. Ruiz was putting it on by the bucket loads, and the audience was lapping it up. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable. He moved to his Guildenstern and Rosencrantz, looking into their eyes and seeing their souls reflected in their dull, uninterested pupils. These men were not artists. They didn't, these men did not deserve their name. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. Ruiz flung his robes open, strobe lights flashing across the stage. He looked, across, he looked upon his entranced and enraptured audience, gazing and gobsmacked by the display. He was entertaining them. He, Ruiz, at this moment, this instant, was all they lived for. The beauty of the world. The paragon of animals. He was all they knew. He lived inside their minds at this very moment. They were not seeing him as he truly was. No, they were seeing him as he should be, as he wanted to be seen, as what, they, as what he wanted to be. And indeed, he thought what he truly was. The same man faking madness in a world of madman faking sanity. Here, world, is Ruiz de Champ, the original Hamlet. And yet to me, what is the, this quintessence of dust? The lights went dark, the spotlight descended, and Ruiz was alone in the universe. To me, to me, to me. What is this quintessence of dust? No, no. Man delights not me. Ruiz looked out into the void, and the void stared back with infinite ant apathy. Man delights not me. No, nor woman either, though by your demeanor you seem to think so. And then the light returned, and Hamlet had his Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the play went on, and, as we all know, they all lived happily ever after. As we all know, the ending of Hamlet, they lived happily ever after. Yeah, that's what happened. Like every Shakespeare play. Romeo that's, and Juliet, that's what I remember The happening. Lion King, <laughs> Macbeth, The Lion King on Broadway, written by Shakespeare, Frozen, written by Shakespeare, The Deathly Hallows, written by Shakespeare. <laughs> Dude, just fucking read. <laughs> Merriam-Webster Encyclopedia, Volume Four, oh written by Shakespeare. Oh my fucking god, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dog. <laughs> <laughs> read. I oh was my starting God. and then you said No, cause, cause there was like a solid like five seconds of silence there. Just fucking read. <laughs> oh my god. Mr. No, I'm not doing that. Okay. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, never mind. Mr. Never Duchamp? Mind. Hmm? What's that? Ruiz rubbed the grit from his eyes. He had fallen asleep in the middle of the gallery, during the middle of the day, for several hours, while standing up, again. Mr. Ruiz de Champ? Yeah, that's me, that's me. Sorry, not so good with faces. Who are you? I'm the mailman. Package for you. Going to have to sign for it. Right, right, right. Ruiz groggily scrabbled a half-hearted X in the offered pad. Do you want us to bring it in for you, Mr. de Champ? Sure, if it's not too much trouble. Just, uh, take it through there, the cordoned off bit. Careful not to touch anything, it's a bit dangerous at the moment. You know, renovations. <laughs> no problem, Mr. Duchamp. The boys will be around in a bit. Cheers. Ruiz looked at the digital watch on his right wrist. It was 3.45 p.m. Ruiz looked at the analog watch on his left wrist. It was 3.45 p.m. Ruiz looked at the pocket watch in the painting in front of him. It was melting onto a tree branch and had likely not been wound for some time. Ruiz knew not to trust readings from surrealistic timepieces and pouted at the piece. That said, however, it was still 3.45 p.m. Ruiz walked past the reception, out the door, three doors down the street, entered his favorite coffee shop, and asked for a double-strength espresso, which he then used to down his daily caffeine pills, multivitamins, and antidepressants. And then, Ruiz finally woke up. Shit, uh, Carol, what's today? The stunned Ruiz still looked at the mad artist in front of her. Uh, Wednesday? 
Oh, good. Never mind then. I was worried it was Thursday or something. You feeling okay, Ruiz? Yeah, it's just been a bit hectic, you know? I've been busy. Poor dear. Sit down. Tell me about it. Ruiz took a stool close to the counter. Carol smoothed her apron before sitting across from him. I decided to wage war on a pack of ravenous artists who regurgitated uninteresting and frankly monotonous garbage by mailing out abrasive and generally disagreeable materials to their household, after which one of their contingents decided to metaphorically but not without the metaphor to defect to the other side, without realizing that his not defecting was an integral part of the big plan that I had in store for all of them, and so his defection kind of screwed me with my intended course of action. However, after having stayed awake for all of yesterday and all of last night in the middling portion of this morning, I've managed to rewrite the script and hopefully I'll be able to get them to dance in my tomb before the big exhibition which is on Friday, so by then I should be able to track back to present my ultimate work to the ultimate critic, or should I say the critic, where, with both of his words capitalized, if there was an easy way to express such a thing in speaking words, whereupon he'll be so profoundly stoked that he'll quit forever and go back to being a nobody capitalized, with that word also capitalized in a clever and subtle little joke that I'm assisting on playing through to the end. What? So much for Act 1, at least. At this point, I'm kind of winging it. You know, every time you walk in, down, in here and down your pills, I wonder what the hell is actually in them. Dreams and art, Carol. Dreams and art. Let's, uh, make it another three espressos for the road. Carol tended to the machine, and after a short interval, passed Ruiz three more cups of his second favorite beverage. He left the shop and had finished all three by the time he had returned to the gallery. He waved his way past the receptionist and moved past his cordons into the poor, poorly illuminated room. The delivery man had placed a big brown box right in the center of his workplace, coincidentally allowing a lone shaft of sunlight to illuminate it like the gift from the heavens that it was. Ruiz reached for his yellow circular saw blade and sliced it through the package, flipping the box open and letting it drop to the floor. And Ruiz, there, Ruiz thought, was the centerpiece he had been looking for. It was the electric chair. Not just any electric chair, it was THE electric Old Sparky. First used in the Sing Sing Correctional Facility in 1891 to execute four prisoners, the chair elevated in a specially constructed room knows only as the Death House, a veritable, veritable prison within a prison. If he was going to use an electric chair, he'd be damned if it wasn't this one. Ruiz rubbed his hands against the wooden frame, moved around, and sat in the seat where so many people had felt the cold embrace of death. He started to squeal like a schoolgirl. Cool and fun. Hold on, give me a moment. <coughs> there we go. I already died. I have already done that. Uh, wouldn't want to do it again. Zero out of ten. Could not recommend. <laughs> Thorin dies twice. That's something I've never done. Perhaps. The director was busy. This was not particularly odd. At any given time, she was organizing the production of at least three plays, a movie or two, and innumerable side projects, some of which might even see the light of day. She had, in her youth, been an actress herself, before a sprained ankle had robbed her of the stage. Instead, she had turned to directing, where she could still act condescendingly to everyone around her, and instead of being paraded, was expected to do so as part of her job. She was currently arguing with the lead, Gonzalo, King of Trinculo, about his unjustified stage fright. Look, Tim, it's opening night. You've rehearsed a thousand times, you know all of your lines, and honestly, if I knew you were going to just lock up like this, I wouldn't have given you the part. Now, if you're going to, you're going to drink this bottle of water, slap yourself a, th a few times, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, and get on my damn stage in ten. Got it? Got it, boss. Got it. Ugh. Woo. Alright. Okay. If anything, the director knew how to control her players. An aide ran to her side. Ma'am, I don't mean to alarm you, but the, the audience is here. Packed theater. We need to get going soon. Alright, alright. Make sure Mary's gone through makeup. We're counting down, people. Understood, ma'am. The director clapped her hands, walked briefly, wa walking briskly past the garishly bright, the garishly brightly. S <laughs> I'm drinking water. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna drink water while I look at it and read it and comprehend. Okay. It. You just intensely stare at it, study it, and then you're gonna fuck it up anyways. But it's okay. Walking briskly past the garishly bright set pieces, yeah. she moved around the corner and was suddenly facing Ruiz de Champ. 
Hello, director. I'm here to see your big opening. The director wasted no time with a retort, pulling a blade from her pocket and stabbing towards him in an instant. Ruiz grabbed the knife and twisted it from her grip, neatly slicing across his fingers. He jumped backwards and applied pressure with his other hand. That was very, very rude. I'm just here to say hello. Get out of here, Duchamp. This is my show. Is it your show? I don't think you wrote it. Get out of here, Duchamp. The lost and rediscovered classic, The Hanged King's Tragedy. Get out of here, Duchamp. You know what this does, right? The director faltered. What? You you are aware of what this does, aren't you? Well, what does? The play, the play. Can't you see it? Is this There's... the one that, like... Kills everyone in the audience and on stage most of the time, yeah. Okay. You're spouting nonsense. Get out of here. Sandra, please listen to me. This play isn't what you think it is. It's going to... Get out of here! Ruiz stood, staring at his old classmate. His face was coated in the palest makeup, purple eyeshadow matching with purple lipstick. That is a look. I hope. She wore her makeup like an old woman, wore the clothes of an old woman, hobbled around like an old woman, and had the obstinacy of the same. Perhaps she's an old woman. <laughs> such brilliant, huh? Maybe. Such brilliance, such spark, yet sadly squandered in the lifetime of following other stage directions. He could see in her eyes that nothing he could say would change her mind. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. You want me out? I'm out. He kicked a bloodied knife across the ground towards her. Keep that with you, at least. You'll be needing it later. Ruiz turned and walked out the back door, glowing green exit sign hanging above as the, as the lights dimmed. The director turned around, shaking doubt from her mind. She had a show to put on. Getting together, live in five. Look alive, people. Well. <laughs> or now. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. The director was tired. She slowly regained consciousness in her cell. She'd been bound by the arms and legs and propped up against the stone wall. She'd absolutely no idea what was going on. Rise and shine, sweetheart. Rise and shine. A gritty voice groped at her through a wooden door. There was a brief clattering of keys and it swung open, revealing Agent Green carrying a wooden stool. He walked in front of her, placed the stool down, and sat on it with a thud. Back with us again, Miss Paulson? The director remained silent. Sorry, I think we might have gotten off on the wrong foot. Though admittedly, the last time we were face to face, you tried to drive a stick into my eyeball, so I think any foot here is probably the wrong one. The director remained silent. Sandra Paulson, were you or were you not the one who organized last night's production of The Hanged King's Tragedy? The director flinched. Ruiz had been right. I want my lawyer. Oh, sure. No problem. Here's a phone, here's some buttons to press, and then you jump through those damn wires and you're out of here in an instant. No, Miss Paulson, you do not get a lawyer here. You know exactly who I'm with, you know exactly what your position is, and the only thing I want from you, Miss Paulson, is for you to rest, rot in this cell for the rest of your natural days. The director, Miss Paulson, remained silent. I fucked it up, but it's fine. Good. Now, Miss Paulson, I'm going to ask you a few I didn't know. What was that, Miss Paulson? I didn't fucking know that fucking manuscript. I don't know who fucking sent it to me. I didn't check it. I just thought, shit, this looks pretty good. Some proper classic shit right here. I just finished Titus Andronicus, and so I thought, go to hell with it. I Google it, and it all seems fine. It all looks above board. I didn't fucking know. Agent Green reminded silent. That grinning bastard Ruiz, he must have done it. He sent it to me, and then he came in, and he rubbed it right in my fucking face. That fuck fucking piece of fucking shit stained fuck. Fuck. Agent Green remained silent. Fuck. Fuck. All those people. Tim had fucking stage fright. I was egging him on. Ugh. Sandra's tears smeared back black mysterious. That's doing <laughs> so good. Just the, the slight, like, fist pat. Mastera. Sandra's tears smeared black mascara stains down her face. Agent Green pulled out a cigarette, lit it, and inhaled deeply. Miss Paulson, even if I were to believe that outburst. 
And honestly, I don't. You have given me absolutely nothing to go on. You have, however, given me a name I have seen before. Miss Paulson, I'm going to ask you this question once, and you are going to give me every irrelevant detail, every tiny little scrap of information that you have, and I'm going to pass it over to my associates. The Green exhaled a lungful of smoke into the director's sobbing face. Miss Paulson, tell me about Ruiz de Champ. And then there's a little subtitle at the bottom, I think. To me, yeah. what is the quintessence of dust? Man delights not me. I think that one's a typo. Probably. And then, and then what happened? Okay. Uh, yeah. Angel Tangerine sat listening avidly to Agent Green's tale. And then what happened? Well, uh, apparently she went to school with Seriously? Yep. Hell of a coincidence. The boys drugged her and verified it all. Huh. Tangerine sat and sipped his mango His Hawaiian t-shirt and sandals matched his vibrant red hair, and as though he were a living explosion. Agent Green was wearing his customary black tie suit. While well, neither of them should have attracted much notice in the busy city, as a pair sitting at the same table, they were drawing more odd looks than Green was comfortable with. So, how are your thing? How are things? Well, I'm busy working on something for the exhibition on Friday. Keep it smaller than last time. Of course, of, of course. Most people are keeping it pretty small this time around. As far as I can tell, the age of explosion fireworks is winding down. Loud and in your face has been done a billion times. I doubt there won't be a billion in first. A waitress walked over and placed a tea tray on their table. Green pulled it to his side, pouring hot water into a clicking china cup. Gotta admit, I'm enjoying playing the artist here. Bumming around all day and getting paid for it. Much better than having giant monsters trying to eat your brain. Glad to be out of there. I'll drink to that. They, they tapped their glasses together, Tangerine downing the last of the juice, and Green took a careful sip of hot milk, too. So what did he do with this girl afterwards? Full course of amnestics, include induced coma, stuck in the hospital. Should be out of the picture for a month or two, and no one knows we did a thing. Didn't really need her for much else, and we've gotten rid of one of the critics' big ones. Yeah, makes things complicated for us, of course. Hmm? Friday's thing was her exhibition. Whatever it was she had planned, she'd hyped up a lot of people about it. If she's out of the picture, then the exhibition's got nothing from the from the critics' click. Surely that's good for us, though, right? No, definitely not. See, it was just going to be the director's little dance number, or whatever she had planned, but they aren't just going to cancel it. That would make them look like they only had the one idea. Seem imaginatively sterile. They'll be pulling in something else to make up for it, and whatever they do will almost certainly make a bigger bang. Shit. Running crowd control is hard enough to handle. Indeed. Glad it's not my problem. Any chance we could block the venue? Do it in advance and they'll move it, and once you're there, they won't budge. What kind of turnout are you expecting? No idea. Ballpark it for me. <sighs> a thousand or so? Maybe two? Shit. Can't bear that many people without creating more problems. Could get lucky. Might not be that bad. Green down the rest of his tea. Could we try and split the group? Set up another exhibition at the same time? If you'd asked me a week ago, your only real option is to ride it out, I think. Have some guys attend as casuals in case someone pulls something stupid. And how likely is it that someone will pull something stupid? Well, I'd put odds at about 50-50, but everyone I know is playing, playing it safe. Basic stuff all around. The only real unknown here is critics thought, but... They don't normally leave stuff lying around. Shouldn't be any problem. Don't worry about it. If we make it through, cleanup should be trivial. I'd say big if. Don't worry, seriously. Nobody's going to start anything in the middle of an exhibition this big. He stood up, tossed some change into a tip jar as they left. Oh, yeah, I hope you're right. Get a look on your end. Good luck yourself, Green. You gonna be there yourself? You can enter the impossible made real? Of course. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Brilliant. I love seeing you in plain clothes. You always look so uncomfortable. A little break. The sculptor sat listening avidly to the painter's tale. 
And then what happened? Well, that's what we don't know since the cameras were cut. Looks like the play itself might have been an exploit. Seriously? Yep, made by a genuine Ann artist from the 17th century. My guess, anyways. Huh. The sculptor sat in citrus banana milk. Unfortunately, the hospital cafeteria didn't have a particularly wide variety of beverages. And even then, the banana was the kind of off, was the off kind of false artificial banana flavor. Too sweet to be genuinely palatable, not to mention that the milk. Boehner took a pause to swig his pocket flask whiskey. So, what are we doing about the exhibition? No idea. Worst case scenario, we just pull what she was working on. What was she working on, anyways? Well, it was a pretty standard exploit acrobatic show, from what she told me. You know the stuff, leaping tall buildings into a single bound, trapeze tough, doing flips and shit. Not really what I'm into, but I can appreciate it at the least. Ah, that sounds decent. The sculptor continued drinking, seeing the director's body lying comatose with an oxygen mask and not been enjoyable. So, the director turns up to turns up to her play that she's been working on for two months, talks to all her actors, and then five minutes before show showtime, that asshole turns up and asks her to stop performance. Then this. The question, then, is who actually made it happen. You know as well as I do it was Duchamp. The painter pensive, pensively considered the thought. He'd previously dismissed it, dismissed it as being too obvious, and reconsidered it as being deceptively obvious on purpose. Well, he's certainly the only lead we have. The only lead we have? This is the same fucker who nicked Felix, you know? This is the stupid asshat who mailed you a painting that makes you shit yourself. This is the idiot who outright declared war on us, and this is his preemptive strike. Could be, but probably not. Hmm? Think about it. Everything Duchamp's done until now has been absolutely safe. Sure, he made me shit my pants, he sent stuff to everyone, but none of it was harmful. Duchamp made it be an arrogant asshat, but this hurt the audience. People died. If I've got this right, and I reckon I do, Duchamp wouldn't so much as hurt a fly. Hmm. He'd harass us, yeah, but he wouldn't pull something like this. Too much escalation. It doesn't mesh with what he's been doing. I really don't think it was him. Why did you? Why did you make that noise? Wouldn't hurt a fly, eh? The guy that made "Wow, we go kill yourself." <laughs> yeah. It hurt the audience. It can't be him. Well, th- yeah, but remember, Thorin, this is all of this is before that. Yeah, but still, it's like. Yeah. Yeah. But that's surely exactly what he want you to think. No. Well, and also though, Thorin, the the point of that. The point of that exhibition that he made, Why We Go Kill Yourself, was that he thought people were going to be so stupid. Like, the Weren't point was that it. it was so fucking obvious that you wouldn't do it. And then people were just idiots. So that wasn't his intention. That's Technically, true. Technically, that wasn't his intention. Again, continuing on with this. But that's surely exactly what he wants you to think. No, he wants to enact a cultural change. And as childishly as he behaves, he knows that something like this just gets him nowhere. What incentive would he have? To weaken us? If he'd wanted to kill us, he would have done a cleaner job. But that's not what he was trying to do. He made us look as though Sandy did this on purpose, and the only thing that can possibly do is bring up our visibility in a bad way. The man's going... Oh, fuck. I'm sorry, I had a burp. The man's going to crack down on us if, the- if this goes in, and they will crack down hard. He's poking a lion and a tiger with a pair of sticks to make them fight to the death. The painter considered the implication. It's certainly an interesting hypothesis, and if you're right, it's a clever strategy. I'm right. It wouldn't have been... It- it wouldn't have been any of the suits of the suits weaponizing exploits isn't really their style. He's played a safe till now to get their, our attention, and pulling this is his way of letting us know he's not messing around. We've got to do something. Well, what do you suggest? He targeted Sandy because she was showing on Friday. That's our chance to go big and show everyone we're cooler than them. He wanted to break us down, to distract us from the community, to tear us from the audience, to destroy us uh, as artists. Well, fuck that. Come Friday, we throw out everything we've got. They stood up, walking to the lift. 
I'm guessing Obi wanted to call the shots on this one. We don't need to get concerned and critic with something like this. We're not children. We don't need them to change our fucking diapers. No complaints here. I've been working on a piece that should suffice. I'll call the others then. See you on Friday. Felix Corai sat listening avid avidly to Ruiz Duchamp to Ruiz Duchamp's tale. And then what happened? Well, after she tried to stab me, I just left. Seriously? Yep, I knew she wasn't going to listen. I'm good at picking up subtle hints like attempted homicide. Best I could do is get the hell out of there. Huh? Huh. Felix sat and sipped his green tea. Reeves was soldering a circuit board. Mechatronic actuators. Occasionally flicking switches to check that all was well. He pulled a multimeter from his workbench and probed the current. Satisfied with the results, he stood up, grabbed an apple-flavored juice box, popped the straw in, and sat down next to Felix. So, who do you think did it? Well, it wasn't an accident. I put money on the suits. We've been pushing the bounds more and more lately. What do you mean? You know how they used to charge in, guns blazing? There's none of that anymore, and it's not because they've given up. I reckon it's a shift in strategy, but I don't think I don't have anything solid to back it up. Well, maybe. I can't see them using exploits as a weapon. Rui sucked his juice box dry and started methodically unfolding. Felix blew his tea, then took another tentative sip. So, what have you been up to, old man? Diving into the retirement fund? Quite. I'm still working on things, just more traditional materials. Nothing out of the ordinary for a while, at least. Time to eke out a bland and plain existence. How profoundly boring. Ruiz had folded his juice box into a small airplane shape. He threw it across the room, landing immediately in a garbage bin near the door. Will you be taking time out of your busy schedule of bland and plain for Friday's exhibition? I might, I might. What are you doing for it? Oh, I, I won't be going. Gotta finish all this other stuff. The last of my materials came in this morning, so it won't be long before I send out the, I send out the invitation. Well, you'll be missing out, I think. Hmm? Sandra had a big, big show planned. The guy, well, who's ever's left, they won't just cancel it. They'll have to show the suits that they mean business, so that they aren't intimidated by this. They'll be going very, very big, pulling out all the stops. Yep, it should be quite a show, you think? See, that's the kind of childish bullshit that solves nothing. Yeah, honestly, they're a bunch of kids. No idea what the fuck they're doing. Felix sipped the last of his green tea and placed a cup in his mouth. Glad I don't have to deal with it anymore. Hell, glad I don't have to deal with you. Oh, I'm not that bad. I'm just rotting them up, really. It's like kicking a beehive, but all the bees are artists and the kick is mailing out butt jokes. Butt jokes and poop jokes. Pinnacle of comedy. Quite. I just wish they'd lighten up a little bit. You know, not take everything so damn seriously. You're not taking it the right way. Neither did you, to be honest. Retiring. Bah. Covered all my plans. How dare you be unpredictable. Felix chuckled at the fox at the fox outburst, taking his cup and standing to leave. Well, good luck with this stuff, at any rate. Don't need luck when you got talent, Felix. Quite right. That's why I wish you luck. <laughs> Get out of here, old man. And then there's a little subtitle at the bottom that says snip, snip, snip. Alright, the next one is called The Cool Kid. Hmm. I'll skip this real moment quick. Okay, this one's shorter than the rest. A little bit. Molly, where'd you put my aubergines? Your what? My aubergines. What the fuck is an aubergine? My eggplants. Where are they? Oh, them. I chucked them in the bin. They'd gone bad or something. Joey Tamlin stopped yelling at the stairs. He walked over and fished three ripe aubergines from the plastic bag that hung from their pantry door handle. Each of them had a large bite missing. I was working on these. Work harder. They tasted like shit. Joey sighed. I was working on making them taste like shit. Oh, good job then. Why are you making them taste like shit? I don't know. Art reasons. I thought it'd be fun. I told you. Mark anything you fuck with. Stick notes on them or something. All right. Sorry. 
Joey took a bite out of one of the aubergines and was glad to note that it still tasted like human fecal matter. Thank God. He pulled out a pad of sticky notes and moved pens around in the drawer until he found a sharp red one. Joey sketched in capital letters, ART, NOT FOOD, and stuck it to the first aubergine, then did the same for the other two. He placed them to the side, picked up the communal fruit bowl from the kitchen, and upended it. The apples, Joey thought, was a good idea. People ate, like, apple slices, right? As finger food or whatever, right? That was a normal thing to be handing out. He could put them on toothpicks and everything and have chocolate dipping sauce. Ugh! What if the apples tasted like chocolate and the chocolate dipping sauce tasted like apples? Giggling to himself, Joey's moved the apples next to the aubergines and added a small note, chocolate sauce. Mandarin orange. The problem with messing with the taste of mandarins, he thought, was that they were segmented up into segments. He couldn't modify the flavor wholesale unless he grew them again from scratch, and even if he bumped up the rate of growth, he was in the middle of a city, so there was nowhere open that he could reasonably grow them. Not to mention that the rate of growth would require him to be watering it and holding a sunlight to it the whole time unless he wanted it to be withered by morning. If he was going to change the flavor of a mandarin, he'd have to do it a segment at a time. Oh. What if every segment of the mandarin tasted completely different and it'd all be still be inside a closed peel? Stick every taste in the one thing, perhaps make them all different types of meat flavors, and it can be the ultimate indulgence for vegetarians. The texture of the mandarin flesh and the taste of steak were a horrible combination, even in theory, but the purpose of the exercise was exploration, not improvement. Joy put them in the pile, sticking on the note, meat. <laughs> mandarin orange with a note sticking up that just says meat on it. <laughs> yeah, it just says meat. That's funny. <coughs> what about the bananas? Joy picked up one of the three, peeled it, took a bite, and chewed pensively. They were mushy and sticky in his mouth, an intriguing texture. What flavor would fit well with it, Joey thought. Not sweet, it was already sweet. Lemons? Well, perhaps not a flavor as strong as actual lemons, but he could see it working. Joey moved the two remaining bananas to the pile, noting them, lemons. Lemons. Joey marked them bananas and moved on. Finally, a single clove of garlic. Joey wasn't sure why the garlic was being kept in the fruit bowl, but wasn't overly concerned. What texture did garlic even have, anyway? He had never eaten raw garlic, and he did probably didn't want... What if he just left the garlic as is and served it raw? Juxtaposition would make it perfect. He marked the garlic garlic, scooped everything back into the bowl, and moved it all over to the lounge room table. Where to begin? The doorbell rang. Joey snapped out of his creative trance, his train of thought utterly derailed. Mood. He stood up, walked to the door, and flooded open. Flung it open. Tangerine was standing there in his Hawaiian shirt, shorts, and flip-flops. Tan, you know it's winter, right? This much is nothing. Spend a week in the north, you baby. You're gonna get sick, man. Only thing I'm sick of is people telling me to wear more clothes. Tangerine walked through the door, Joey closing it behind him. Anyone else here? Just me and Molly. Everyone else is out for the day. Tangerine walked to the stairs and yelled at them. Hey, Ma! Hey, Tan! Put on a jacket or something! Tangerine looked back towards Joey. How'd she know? You never wear a jacket. Jackets are for snow! Tangerine walked to the lounge room and flopped down on his chair. Joey started to follow him. The doorbell rang. Joey sprung to his foot walking back to the door and opened it again. Overgang Dude was standing in the wait, his trademark sunglasses sitting comfortably in his nose. Overgang! Joey, you heard about the director? Huh? She ran an exploit play, stuck her in a coma. Rookie mistake, staying in the theater. Seriously? Fri- yeah. Friday's still on, but nothing from critic slot. Well, that makes this a lot easier. What? What? Come on, I'll explain to both of you. Wait, who else is here? Tan. Well, Tan and Molly. Overgang walked to the stairs and yelled up to them. Hey, Maul. Hey, Overgang. How's Carol? I haven't been dating Carol for months. Sorry to hear about that. The Overgang shook his head. He walked to the lounge room, picking up an apple and joined Tangerine on the couch. Hey, Tan. A-O-G. Heard about the director? Yeah, friend told me this morning. Who? A guy called Green. You wouldn't know him. Uh-oh. What does he do? Nah, uh, him and his friends are art collectors. It was true enough, Tangerine thought. Uh-oh. Inner, inside the group. Should introduce us. Yeah, I reckon you'd get along great. 
Joey joined them in the lounge room. <laughs> hey, put the apple back in the bowl. Overgang took a bite out of the apple, staring directly at Joey and chewing slowly with as much of a grin as one can muster with a mouthful of food. Tangerine snickered. Whatever, I've got more. Anyway, why are we here? Alright, okay. Whew, here it goes. Joey breathed in, mentally preparing himself. We need to get rid of the critic. Overgang and Tangerine stared at Joey's uncertain, pleasing face. They then looked at each other quizzically, and then back. Overgang answered the, asked the question they both wanted answered. Why? I don't think you understand. I think I said we need to get rid of the critic. Yes. Why? Well, I was thinking about the exhibition on Friday, right? How it's all being organized by the critic slot, right? Yeah. And yeah, pretty all the exhibitions that we go to are set up by him or another person with a the in their name. They're the ones driving our culture, right? They're the ones who shape it. They choose the where and the when. And the critic, his name itself implies authority, right? How long until their lot starts to dictate the why? They're taking us and turning us into chess pieces. They're pointing us toward venues and firing. We're just following a line like mindless drones. That's the opposite of the point. The whole point of us is to be wake people up from being mindless drones, but the way it's going, the critic's taking all of us and doing the same fucking thing. The overgang stared, shocked. I think that's the first time I've ever heard you say fuck, Joey. Well, this is something worth swearing about. Tangerine looked concerned. Hey, uh, what started this? Joey held up a banged-up Betamax tape. Whoa. I got this in the mail this morning. Opened my eyes a bit. Tangerine looked at the tape, then passed it to Overgang. On the side of the tape, glorious leaders while talking, uncut, had been scribbled in felt-tip pen. Overgang examined the side, feeling along the plastic edge before commenting. I didn't know you had a Betamax player. I didn't. Molly had one. You want to watch it? Give the gist to me in a sentence. Recorded video of a discussion between the critic and the cameraman, followed by discussion amongst his cabal, followed by avid conversation between a lot of them about how they want to guide everyone. One of them literally calls us sheep. Tangerine grimaced. That's pretty heavy-handed. Yeah, I don't take kindly to being herded. So then, get rid of the critic. You have a plan? Well, not necessarily get rid of, that's a bit strong. Perhaps just make irrelevant. We need to take this stuff into our own hands. We need to show them what we need, don't need to follow their lead, and we need to do this as soon as possible. Friday's show is still on, and with the director out of the picture, this is our best chance to show everyone that we can put on a show without the shepherd. Call everyone. Call Arsol, call Nibman, call Rita, call FTF, call Stanza. Fuck, call Banksy if he's in... <laughs> Banksy's an ass. That's kind of... We get everyone at this exhibition, then we show them that we're not their livestock. They can't control us. We're all equals, and what's the fucking point? The guys who think they rule us, they don't, who don't actually do anything for themselves, who sit on their output to slap their labels on it, who mindlessly ask, are we cool yet? We're going to get answer that question on Friday, and our answer is yes. Tangerine and Overgang were struck mute. Joey began to panic. What, did I say something stupid? Overgang regained his faculties. No, 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 that's really good. That's fucking gold. Wish I'd been recording that. Damn. Let me call also Zlot and FTF. Tan, you know Nibbin, right? Yeah, I've got Nibbin on speed dial. You want Nate and Kyle, too? Everyone means everyone, Tan. Joey, what are you doing standing there? Call Stan's a slot. Micah and Judith, too. You said it yourself. Call everyone. Joey pulled out a smartphone and started tapping the screen. Overgang was already on the line with Arsol. Tangerine started calling Nibbin, internally screaming at himself for doing so. Green was going to be pissed. And we're back. Hello. Sorry about that. There's been some technical difficulties this episode, but they're not on my end for one. Hey. <laughs> Look, I, no, it's just my computer's fucking weird. I have to... I, I, the laptop I, I use... Um, I, I have a Mac, and it doesn't have any of the adapters in it, so I had to buy an external adapter, and for some reason... Oh, it, no. Like, will just disconnect every so often, which is Bruh. really great when I'm using stuff on my hard drive. Um, oh no! That's really yeah. bad. Yeah. That's uh, really, really bad. You should get. You should fix that. 
well, Soren, the way to fix that would just basically be t like to my to my computer. So uh, I just have to make sure I'm on like a really flat surface so and don't move my computer at all. And if I know that I'm going to, I have to like basically uh, like eject my heart. Yeah. All right. Have fun with that. Um. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, anyways. Uh, Summary of that last one. Uh, Tangerine is one of their internal agents, I think. Yes. That they were talking about before. Yeah, that's that's why he's involved. You didn't know that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I was just I was just saying that. Oh, okay. Right, so yeah, that anyone who didn't realize that kind of clicked because. Yeah. Anyway, final attack orders is the next one, and that's number twelve out of twenty three. So we're gonna be doing at least one more episode of this, probably two. Probably. Which I'm okay with because it's cool. Yeah, I've been. All right, so uh, yeah, like attack order. Okay. Pico Wilson sat in the middle of his corpse pile, as one does. The sculptor was talking at the at the painter. The painter talking at the composer. The composer was talking at the builder. The builder was talking at the sculptor. Sat atop. Sat atop his throne, saying nothing to anyone and not being spoken. The room actually looked. All of them wanted attention, but him. I'm telling you, we mock them through earworms and jingles. They won't be able to get it out of their heads. They aren't free in their own minds. No, we literally turn their art into adverts and billboards. The corporatization of artistic expression kills its meaning. We can literally grow a gallery around them, the ultimate display of power, forcing them within the confines of the institution. Just sculpt our own artists to take their places, claiming themselves to be the original creators. Real ones won't know what to do. Simper played a little attention. Surrounded by pets and their children, he thought snapping out some of his subjects' ribs and stabbing them into the dead man's leg. How the hell does the critic even keep them in line? The answer to that question kicked open the door. Immediately, all conversation was dropped, all disagreements put aside, and all heads turned to face the janitor. The janitor towered tall, a long black trench coat stopping just short of his head. It definitely, it was definitely the presence that was not of a human, but an immutable force of reality. His face was entirely obscured by a gas mask. It wore it a pitch fabric that hurt to look at, where it moved, light seemed to flicker and dis where it moved, light seemed to flicker and disappear, physical objects looking intangible and transient, impossible to search. These could not even conceive. The janitor walked into the room, wooden floor creaking to accommodate the Im immense pressure, and it glanced toward the corpse pile. Sniffer looked directly into the black eye holes, and in that instant his stomach turned, his throat tightened, his heart started beating faster, and the hairs on his arms stood on end. For the first time in his life, <coughs> The sniffer felt the sweet rush of love. Well, that or, or fear. He'd never felt either before, and from what he had heard, the two seemed very similar. He knew one cause attraction, and the other repulsion, and yet, and yet here he stood, immobile and completely awestruck by the being in front of him. He blurted out the only thing he knew, from an artistic perspective, was, which was objectively true. You are beautiful. He numbly offered the janitor a cracked rib, grinning dumbly while shaking. The janitor cocked its head to one side, as if confused. Then took the rib and placed it inside an inner trench coat pocket. A heavily obscured, almost mechanical voice buzzed from the diaphragm of the gas mask, and yet the words were clear enough to be understood by all. You know not what you have offered. I may well crack ease in your rib. The snipper's grin somehow widened even more. Then shall I consider you my Yahweh, my Jehovah, my Lord and God? I am not a God. I am simply a hand. The hand of God. I am my own hand. Nobody thinks himself a God. Nobody, the capital, does indeed. The painter and the composer shared glances. The builder actively started his feet, and the sculptor felt somewhat ambivalent to the whole affair, breaking the conversation. Get a fucking room. We're busy. 
The janitor turned its head to face the sculptor. Hold on. Apologies. What? I have a proposal for an oh. alternative dialect, for an alternative stress pattern on that sentence. Get a fucking room. Stop. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. I had to say it. Turned, yeah. The janitor turned its head to face the sculptor. I don't want to think about whatever that janitor fucking whatever the sniffer is. I, I don't want that in my And you're forcing that upon me. I am. Have fun. Continue reading. Apologies, As if nothing sculptor. Had yeah. As apologies, sculptor. To business time. To the topic of Friday. Oh, sorry. I thought my thumb. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> right. Well, you're obviously here to sit on in on the point. I want you standing by the hole in south. You probably keep track of everything by rooftop. I was planning on doing so regardless. The director had requested such before her action. Good. Now I I think perhaps it would be interesting. A bit of multi-pronged approach. We've all got good ideas. We all can cook up the best one. Why not just go for all of them at once? The painter interjected. We still need to organize ourselves, else we'll be tripping over each other's feet the whole time. True. So everyone, janitor excluded, of course, put your plans down on paper, set a timetable, and we can run. We can work around it all. The sculptor passed pens and paper to everyone. Everyone began to scribble down. The janitor, dutifully, silent. The snipper finished writing. Hold his paper small origami flower. He began his conversation with the janitor, with the janitor in it. So, what do you look like under the mask? The janitor turned. The sculptor scowled, but continued his own writing. Under the mask and something else. Do you ever take it off? Like, if you get it or something? <coughs> I remove the mask when I'm not And then what? Not me. Sniffer scratched his head. But you are you, so. The me that is this me is not the only me. This is the me that wears a mask. Face beneath this face, perhaps, considers itself a mask. Oh, so it's like a split personality. A bit cliche, but hell, who am I to judge, right? The janitor remained silent. So you're not planning anything for Friday, then? My role differs. I'm not an artist. Everyone's an artist. I cannot create. Not all art is the creation. Now look at me. Snipper removed a kidney from his subject, rubbing his finger along the rubbery flesh. I do not wish to be an artist. And you're a critic? I do not judge, I observe. Oh, that's just silly. Observation is inherently judgmental. You choose what's worthy of your attention, your choice of what to watch is a judgment. The janitor remained silent. The sculptor placed his pen down on the table, tail back of his exhibit completed. Stop bugging the janitor. It's your dumb hand over your paper. The snipper threw his comp completed paper flower over to the sculptor. He began to unfold it with poorly veiled So you clean up after us, yeah? That is correct. No matter how much we mess we make, that is correct. If I nuked the city, could you clean it up? The painter interjected. Don't nuke the city. Don't tell me what to do. Could you? The janitor placed a glove hand. I thought for a few seconds. Sniffer's face grinned madly at confounding, at, at confounding his new friend. Yes. How? The janitor remained silent. Oh, come on. Don't be a cock tease. How would you do it? The janitor turned to look at the sniffer. Pico's body was overcome with the same primal shock that he felt when first seeing it. Shivers running down his spine and losing feeling in his extremity. Alright, whatever. I guess I'll just have to find out the hard way. The painter yelled louder than before. Don't nuke the city! Sigh. Fucking spoil sport. The sculptor completed unfolding the piece of paper. What the fuck is this? He held it up for all to see. The only words on the piece of paper were drawn in blood, spelling out corpses to the corpse throne. I think I was directing to the point with my itinerary. You're just going to be exhibiting piles of corpses. Yep. You know what? 
I'm fine with that. It's simple, it's creepy, and some people will probably just run the fuck away. Straight into the point. Good job, Snipper. Glad to have you on board. Snip, snip. No, don't don't try it and make that. That's not a thing. Everyone else done. The builder and the painter passed their, back their papers, the composer having long ago written down his song. The sculptor appraised their plan. This is good. This is really good, actually. Bob, you'll have to move your plan around so you're not getting in Robbo's way. Your guy is going to start blocking adverts if you have it coming up to the alleyways. The builder offered their solution. I'll have the gallery mimic the surrounding wall decoration. Anything you've done can move the inside. Actually, scratch that. I'll just stick windows around. The painter nodded in agreement. I'll send you a map of the whole plan uh, tomorrow morning. We can figure it out by then. Sounds like a plan. The sculptor continued. Like I said, Snipper's just running corpses, and Sam's fine, since sound doesn't really... No, actually, the internal acoustics of Bob's stuff might fuck with it. Uh, something else you'll have to figure out tomorrow morning, but it's a be able to figure it out. I'll be fine since my stuff's mobile anyways. We've cut this close, gentlemen, but I think we know what we're doing. We have our battle plan. After this, nobody's going to forget we're the, why we're the cool ones. I'll see you all tomorrow. The sculptor straightened his papers, placed them, placing them into a small folder, and walked out of the room, shortly, following by the, shortly followed by the builder, composer, and painter. Snipper snuggled into his corpse pile. The janitor observing it. The voice came from deep the pile. Why? Why? Why do you that? The mass diaphragm buzzed. That is my role. Who set that role? The critic. Snipper lifted his head above the pile. How does he strong arm someone like you? I have free will. Follow willingly. Snipper frowned. Nobody who follows instructions is really free. The janitor remained silent. Does he know who you really are, then? I am who I am who I am. Do you know who you really are? The janitor remained silent. The snipper cackled. You're like a caged bird, except the cage is made of glass and you're a rhinoceros. You don't even realize you can break free, do you? I am already free. No, no you aren't. Poor, poor pitiful little thing. The janitor faced the snipper, again shooting lightning down his arms and drying out his mouth. His face betrayed nothing of it. I am more free than you will ever understand. I am free from desire, free from emotion, free from everything. You may be free from others, but I am free from myself. I shall take my leave. The janitor left the room without a single step, with, with a single step, leaving the snipper to lie in his collected viscera. He sucked the blood from his thumb, spitting it onto the floor. It was lying. It was diluted. The janitor was not free. That would not do, Pico thought. He would have to free it. All face-up monsters in the field are changed to attack position, and their battle positions cannot be changed. Did not expect that. Um, trading card game. Alright, uh, so that... That's, that's the cool war part, too. Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next uh, one's gonna be a big one. It's the. F it's entitled the it's, Friday it's the exhibition. exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fucking huge one, and then we'll do whatever else we can within that. Um, yeah, this is getting fun. Um, I like the story going on here. I like yeah. the format that we're starting to take of like deep dives over multiple episodes rather than just not that. Mm -hmm. And I have an idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it'd be a good idea to do the little misters. Because then yeah. we can do, I think we can do um, most of them in one episode, and then we can do the last couple, and then there's a, there's usually a series of tales associated with it, mm -hmm. um, about the about Mister Collector, which is the secret one that if you collect all of them, if you contain all of them, then the administrator did, becomes Mister Collector. Didn't we do some of those when we we did some of the them? So we'll, so we'll just do like an in depth. Yeah, and I think the ones that we did already, we could just like. S summarize summarize mm -hmm. all right cool um yeah so uh, i mean until that happens we still have a couple left for the cool war I, I hope you guys are enjoying this 
Yeah, this is a good. Um, there, the the only problem I ever really have with SVP tales and stuff like this is that there's always a lot of characters to keep track of. But I feel like I'm kind of like getting used to who everyone is now, and I, which is I, I feel like a way that this one does it easily is um having like basically factions, and then half those characters don't actually matter. It just matters what they belong to. Like, yeah, I don't plus think like, it, like I don't think plus. Plus, I, I think the fact that, like, like usually it's hard to remember when people are when they have actual names, but because, like, these people are called, like, the janitor and the mm -hmm. snipper, it's like... And then you can remember Ruiz, because he's the main guy. About it. Yeah. You can remember Pico is the snipper, and then you can remember, like, Tangerine and Joey and them are all this one gang. Mm -hmm. yeah. So... Um, but, yeah, so I, I guess uh, we'll, we'll pick back up on these uh, on the next episode. Um, and... Until then, I think that's all for now. Yeah. All right. Well, then we uh we will see you guys in the next. See y'all next time.